1: redo. Some of you guys are in relationships today that are not going so well and you are hoping for a redo in 2017. Some of you guys are in some relationships that are really not going so well and you're hoping for a return. Just give it back. Just to, I, don't want, I don't want this. I want my money. Uh, this was a setup from the get. Um, I want to talk about relationships today and what I don't mean to talk about are just marriages, and what I don't mean to talk about are just is just dating. Um, I want to talk about relationships in general. I want to talk about relationships between fathers and sons, probably one of the most important and underrated relationships in our world today. I want to talk about relationships between mothers and daughters. I want to talk about relationships between brothers and sisters. I want to talk about relationships because relationships are very important. Part of your life, you cannot get away from them. Some of uh, you here today who are hoping for a promotion, that promotion is dependent on your relationship uh, with your coworkers and your boss. Uh, those of us who have kids and hope that our kids turn out to be great contributors to society and not, you know, serial killers, that's going to depend on the relationship that we have with our kids. We want to have good relationships with them; they grow up to be good people. I would even say, in the context of church. Um, how long you stay in a church or what God is able to do in your life through a church is going to be dependent on your relationships. Uh, relationships are an important part of your life. And I believe that relationships have always been and will always be a part of God's plan to get the most out of you. If you hear me say that right, what I'm saying is relationships help you meet your potential as a person and that is the story of Genesis chapter 2 18 is it not right Uh, God says something here that really catches me off guard Uh, he says after he makes man it is not good did you catch that he says man he says it is not good and that's significant to me because he had just spent the last six days making things that was good he made the light and he said it was good he made the oceans, and he said it was good. He put fish in the ocean, and he said it was good. He put birds in the sky, and he says it was good. He put animals in the land, he says it was good. And he makes man, and he says it's not good. And, uh, and what he's not saying is that the way he made man wasn't good. You know, like, he had two arms, he had two legs, he had ten fingers and toes. Like, everything came all right. But what I think he was saying was that the man himself is good, but the problem with the man the way he is, listen, is that there's something else inside of him waiting to come out. There's a part of him. There's a potential inside of him that he cannot realize alone, right? And and that, for me, is also surprising because he had everything, you know. Adam had uh, health. He was the first man ever made. There was no flu, okay? There was no cancer. There was no body fat, God made him 8% body fat. That's how he came out with a six-pack. That's how God did it. He had health. He had had companionship. You know, I guess he had a bunch of animals that I'm sure he had a lot of fun with. That's all that he had. If we judge wealth by what you own, then he was one of the wealthiest people to ever live because Adam owned the world. He had it all. Yet in the midst of having it all, God says you still miss one thing, one thing that none of those other things can do in your life to bring the best out of you and help you meet your potential. What you don't have is a friend. What you don't have is a friend. We all need friends in our lives. And, uh, and I love that he doesn't just leave it there either, but that he goes deeper. He doesn't just leave it at friend. Look what he says. He says, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. And I like the fact that God differentiates friend from helper. Because the fact of the matter is Adam wasn't alone, right? He had his job. He had all those animals. He had a ton of cats and dogs and all those things. Maybe not cats. Cats weren't invented yet. The devil actually did that one. But, um, you know, he had animals and, and he had them all and he had, like I said, a job and he was super pumped and excited. But having all of that, uh, God says, you know what, you, you're not alone. You, you, you're alone, not because there's no one around you. But because you don't have, and I love the way he differentiates, a helper. Now, I got to make that point. Because as I'm trying to preach to you today, a lot of you guys probably looking back at me, probably checking out of the message and saying, oh, this is a message for people who are alone. Well, I'm not alone. I, I I got a bunch of coworkers. And I'm not alone. You know, I got a dog. And I'm not alone. I got my job. This is my favorite. I'm not alone. I got 353 friends on Facebook. I'm not alone. But what God, the problem with Adam wasn't that he was alone. The problem with Adam was that he didn't have a helper. See, there's a difference. And in order for you to really understand the context of that word, you got to understand what that word helper means. In the Greek, the word helper means parakletos, which if you know a little bit about your New Testament, parakletos is also the word that God uses to describe who the Holy Spirit is in your life, the comforter. And so God's saying a lot more than I have somebody, you know, to send you know, a smiley face emoji too. at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's saying, I have somebody for you that can comfort you, that can bring you peace. In order to give you a better picture of what that word means, let me just tell you two quick stories. Not two stories, something that happened, I guess, uh, to what a paracletos is, what a helper really is. I remember when uh, we had, my, son, my wife and I had our first son, Justice, and he was just a little tiny baby. I remember waking up uh, in the morning and it was just one of those mornings. It was just a bad morning. I had gotten some bad news from the church and uh, wasn't in a good attitude, wasn't in a good spirit. And I uh, came down the steps, and my wife could tell right away. Wives are great at that, you know, gifted at being able to tell when, uh, when you're just not well. And so she said, you know, what's wrong? And I told her what was wrong. And she said, I got, I got the perfect thing for you. And I was like, okay. Early, but whatever? Oh, she said, uh, she went upstairs. She went upstairs. We have a children's ministry um, for your kids. Uh, she went upstairs and listen she came down. Listen to me, she came down with my son, little uh, he must have not even been one year, a couple just months old, eight months old. And you know, babies are the happiest in the morning. And so he came down with this little eight-month-old baby came and put him in my arms. And when, when she put that little baby in my arms, all of my problems went away. I mean, the problems were still there. I was still going to have to deal with them when I went to church. But, but when I held him, everything, all the pain, all the hurt I was feeling, just completely vanished. He was, in my life, a paracletos in that moment. Somebody who doesn't have to say a word, just by, by, by virtue of them being there brings a peace over your life. I'm Liz's paracletos. Sometimes at night she'll get she'll get these nightmares, you know, nightmare. I don't know what the nightmares are about, but sometimes she'll get these nightmares. And I'll know she'll get these nightmares because in the middle of the night I will feel what feels like just a bear just coming to attack me. In the middle of the night I'll just get, I'll be on my side. I sleep on this side. She sleeps on that side. We tried to switch it the other day. It didn't work. I'll sleep on this side. i was this way. And then she can't. And every, every, once, every night she gets a nightmare, she'll come and she'll just just kind of latch on, and I'm used to it now, you know, and when I ask her, babe, why do you do that? She goes, I don't know. When I hold you, I just feel better. That my question to you isn't how many friends you have on Facebook. My question to you isn't how many people you work with. My question isn't how many people, you know, do you know. My question is, do you have someone in your life someone in your life who you can latch onto whose presence in your life brings a peace and a joy to you because we all need it. You see when I tell that story there are some people here who are independent minded. You know who you are. You just you just do everything yourself and you've always been that way. Like you've been doing laundry since you were 6. You've been cooking your own meal since you were seven. You're just an independent person. And when I share that story, you kind of think, well, well, that's cool, but that's not me. I got this. I, I, I can do this by myself. No, you cannot. Look at the Bible. Read the story. You were created to need help. You were created to need help. When God made humanity, he made you in a way to need help. Help to need other people, and it is other people who will get the most out of your life. You need to know that there are some people not because of personality but because of bad experiences who have isolated themselves from relationships and who are trying to do everything on their own not because they're just a solo kind of person because we like to tell ourselves that i know, mean, i'm just solo that's just the way i am i like to be alone it's more than that I, I i believe oftentimes people are like that because of the past experiences that we've had right maybe someone in our past who's hurt us and who has pushed us into isolation and I want to encourage you, don't do that. Give people a chance. Don't give up on people. You need community in your life to bring the best out of you. It's no coincidence I'm preaching on relationships and community on the day when we have small group sign-ups. When you leave the auditorium today in the courtyard, there are going to be 10 or 12 people with clipboards with different small groups, you know, covering different uh, topics. And you want to get into a small group so you can have people around you, encouraging you, pushing you, and encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. Don't isolate. My wife and I do premarital counseling, and uh, it's one of our joys. We actually enjoy doing it. We are all about helping uh, the married relationship kind of get to the next level. And uh, and so we just had ministry. Finished a couple days ago uh, doing some counseling with this couple. And, uh, and we started to talk about how are you like your dad and how are you like your mom. That's one of the things that we like to talk about uh, in our premarital sessions. Because whether you admit it or not, you, know, you are like them you know, for the good and for the bad. And we went to the girl and she said, well, I'm like my mom in this way. And we went to the guy and I said, well, how are you like your dad? And he said, well, actually, I didn't have a dad growing up. My mom was really the one who raised me. And so he was just going to sidestep the question, but I said, "But no, let's 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 go into that then. How is not having a dad affect who you are?" You know what he told me? And I, you know, I had dad, I had a great dad growing up, and so it was hard for me to to really relate. You know what he told me? He said, "Well, he goes, I guess the problem is I don't trust people. My experiences has taught me that people only be there for a season, and then they're out, and then they leave." And he started to go deeper, and it it affects the way that I'm going to see my wife, and it affects the way that I'm going to do this relationship, and. And, it's, and I can see it being a problem. He said, it bothers me so much that when someone tells me they're going to pick me up at the airport, I have a plan B. Every time. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, they're not going to show. They're not going to come. They're not going to be there. That was his story. You know, and I wonder what was your story. It's no coincidence. God knows how powerful relationships can be in your life. And let me tell you, so does the devil. It's no coincidence that the devil used Eve to talk to Adam, Right? He'll always use the people who are closest to us to hurt us the most. Who was the person that he used in your life? I know in my life I was 14 years old. It was my very first girlfriend ever. I mean, I had some like, you know, whatever, ever. But you know, my first girlfriend ever, like, kiss girlfriend. And, uh, and it, was, it was a great relationship. I always laugh. I laugh now looking back at four. Like, what does a 14-year-old even know about relationships, and so if you're here today and you're a teenager, just let me just save you. Just you don't you, you think you love her, but you really don't. Let me just tell you, right now, you really don't know what that word means. You'll say it four or five more times before you actually mean it. It's just what happens. And I could have sworn I loved her, and and I remember going to church, going to school one day, and uh, and and as soon as I went into school, uh, this kid I didn't even know came up to me, it was a big high school, we had like 3,000 kids, Staten Island, 3,000 kids, Port Richmond, he came up to me, he said, hey man, I didn't know this guy. He goes, sorry. I'm like, okay. I walk down to my class, go to my next class, something comes out and he goes, hey man, sorry. I'm like, what is everybody sorry about? Do I have something on my face? Is there something on my clothes? What's going on? And uh, coming to find out, you know, I guess school talk or whatever, the girl who I was in love with had actually... At 14, you know, I don't know why, where's the world going at 14, but uh, I had already, she had cheated on me with one of my friends. I'm in the middle of this like soap opera, I'm 14, you know, and this is going, going crazy and, and I was really hurt because this was a girl that I had thought I loved and I had invested a lot of time in and then I go to church, you know, church is supposed to be a place that encourages you, that speaks life into you and once you know that's what Journey Church is, we never like to beat people up because I don't think that's what Jesus did so I go to my, my youth pastor at the time and I'm like, hey man, this this is what happened. This really hurt me. And What do you think? Is there anything I can do? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you some great advice. What I don't know is that the night before I asked him for advice, his girlfriend had just cheated on him. And he was with her for two years. And so this is what he tells me. Listen. He goes, he goes I'm going to give you some great advice. This is it. You ready? He goes, you got to have a cold heart. I'm like, where's that Bible verse at? Like, I'm a cold heart? What is that? He goes, he, but it made sense. He goes, you got to have a cold heart. Why? He, I said, why? He said, so that way no one will ever hurt you. And it it sounds good. I mean, it makes sense. If you separate yourself from people, no one can ever hurt you. But if you separate yourself from people, no one can ever love you either. It's a catch-22. You got to open yourself up to be loved. And in doing that, you also open up yourself to be hurt. And so I want to encourage you, if there is anybody here today who is retreating into the lie of the safety of solitude, don't do it. Don't. Do it. It's a lie. It will not protect you. You will not be safe. You'll still get hurt and you'll be alone and have nobody to pick you up when you fall. Don't do it. Don't give up on people. Believe in the best. Relationships are important and you need them in your life. Don't give up on people. I'm telling you, some of my worst times have been with people. It's true because people are people. But some of my best times have been with people too. Just yesterday, I went over to the church uh, mailbox to pull out the mail and and there was two letters in it. I open up the first letter, no lie. I open up the first letter, oh, this person just hates church. They don't even know us. I got a letter, I got hate mail. It was my first hate mail ever as a pastor, y'all. He never even been here. No lie. The letter, it's a letter and it had it had, it had two words on the letter. I'm going to let you guess what those two words were. It just had two words on it. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I know this person's never been here. I know that just, just that. I'm like, this is crazy. And, I got, and then I open that, and then there's another letter. And you know what's in the other letter? A $500 check for Journey Church. Thank you for what you're doing and making the difference in the community. You're amazing. You know what I did with the hate mail? I threw it in the trash. You know what I did with the check? I cashed it. And that's what you got to do when negative and positive people come around in your life. If somebody tries to curse you out, speak negativity, you need to roll those words up and you need to throw it in the trash. But when God sends people in your life to speak hope and speak encouragement, you go ahead and deposit that in the bank and keep that because you'll be able to withdraw when you need it. There are good people and there are bad people. But if you close out half, you close out all. And so you just got to be ready and willing to go through life open. You know why? Hurt me, hurt me, but love me, love me. That's how life works. That's how life works. And, and let me give you some more encouragement too. People are people. And, 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 and when I say that, I want you to know, that, that I'm talking about us. Like, you know, you can't ever get self-righteous when you're talking about people because you're always somebody else's people. So, so we, you know, you know how we are. We can be fickle and we can be rude sometimes and we can be short and we can be selfish. And so we are like that. And, and here's, the, here's what you need to know. If relationships, if you're having a trouble with relationships, I want to help you out with this. This is like step one. It's not even in my notes, but this is important. You need to know. Sometimes we need to lower our expectations for people. Because people will fail you and hurt you. Yeah, there's no amens. So I just talked about this being an encouraging church, and I'm like, people will let you down. People will let you down. But you know why that's encouraging? So when it happens, you're not surprised. People are not perfect. People will mess up. And if you're waiting for the perfect friend, you will be alone for the rest of your life. If you're waiting for the perfect husband, you will never get married. If you're waiting for the perfect wife, she does not exist. If you're waiting for the perfect church, it does not exist. We're not, we, we don't come together because we think we're perfect. I say it all the time. We come together because we know we're not. And, so, and so, so here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. Instead of trying to change people, because you know people can't change, oh, people can change, that's not what I meant to say. What I meant to say was, you can't change people. That's important. You know, you can't change people. Only God can change people. So, so you can't do anything that. And what can you do? Here's what you can do. Change the way you deal with people. And so as we begin to talk about a relationship redo, I want to give you guys two pillars Of a healthy relationship and it's never too late to do these two things and so when we give you those connect cards by the way and we give you a pen it's so you can take notes too so i want you to write these things down as we go into these because uh, this is your opportunity to set yourself up in a 2017 in a healthy relationship if you're dating if you're married if you're single these two things are going to set you up if you're just looking for a friend you need a community of people to get around these two things are going to help you Discover more friends, find more friends, have have a better community of people who love you and and encourage you. And so I want to give you two pillars of a healthy relationship that you can do today to redo your relationships for tomorrow. And both of them come from this passage. And so I want to read again Genesis chapter 21, chapter 2, verse 21 through 22. I want to read it again. It's all in the same passage because this is the first relationship God ever made, by the way. This is the first relationship God ever made. And so there's some, some secrets in here, some wisdom. Genesis 2 verse 21, was like this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep because God couldn't find a helper for him. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. for She was taken out of man. This is the first note I want you to write down. Relationships are made of ribs. Relationships are made of ribs. Relationships are made of sacrifice. I was just going to say relationships are made of sacrifice, but ribs sounds way cooler. And I think you'll remember it. Isn't it interesting That the first relationship ever created cost something. That the first relationship ever created cost something. That there was a price to pay. When you really love someone and you really want to see a relationship flourish, you got to understand that the very fabric and DNA of relationship is built on sacrifice. That's it. I remember when uh, Liz and I weren't even dating. It was just, she was just this hot girl that I wanted to get to know, and we were at a youth convention, and she was two rows ahead of me. I don't know if I tell the story. I tell the story a lot, but I'm going to tell it again if I did. She was two rows ahead of me, and I overheard her tell a friend. She didn't tell me. I overheard her tell a friend, boy, I wish I had some orange juice right now. I was two rows behind her, y'all. She said, I wish I had some orange juice, I said. Worship was going on. People, I don't know what she was doing wanting orange juice in the middle of worship. But worship was going on and maybe her sugar was low. And so I was, I was all set. I had mission orange juice. The only problem was it was one of those convention centers where like everything to order is like on the other side of the building. We were in the east wing and the, the orange juice was in the west wing. It was the only hunt for orange juice, guys. It took me no lie, like 35 minutes. I came back, the service was almost over. I'm like, here you go. I found some. She's like, what's this? I'm like, didn't you say you wanted orange juice? She's like, oh yeah, that's so nice of you. I'm like, you're welcome. My name's JJ. I'm single. We say hook up, I'm just saying. Because I could do a lot more than orange juice if you want it. I'm good at that. Now, I tell you that story because I compare that story with her asking me to make the bed last week. And I'm like, babe, I don't want to make the bed. I'm busy. She's like, it takes two minutes. I'm like, that's a long time. What is your fascination with bed making, people? I don't get it. I never get it. She's like, it's it's, it's if people come over. I'm like, Nobody. Is coming to my room if they visit. This ain't MTV Cribs. We don't give out tours here. You come to the kitchen. You get some chicken. You're not coming into my bedroom. But that's how she wants it. So got to do it. Right? And 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 I'm I'm telling that story because those who have been in a relationship for a long time, It was easy to sacrifice in the beginning, but it's not easy to sacrifice now. And I want you to know, the moment you begin to withhold ribs is the moment your relationship begins to deteriorate. The moment you decide that the sacrifice is is a greater cost than the relationship, the relationship will fall apart. But when that moment happens, tell yourself, Adam gave a rib. That's it. That is your self Help talk now. Now, married couples. This isn't just for married couples, but don't use that against your spouse. This is for you to use for yourself. Just remember the next. So I'm talking. I'm talking to. And I don't want to exclude single people because I talked. I'll talk about single people in a second. But if you're married and she asks you to fix the faucet because it's leaking, just remember. Adam gave a rib. Okay. Adam gave a rib. If you got a friend. Who, who wants to talk to you because he's going through something and you're just not feeling like it right now, but he really needs your help, just remember, Adam gave a ring. If you got a son or a daughter and you come home from work and you're tired and they're daddy, daddy, play with me, play with me, and you get tired and you think about not playing with them, just remember, Adam gave a ring. If you're a wife and your husband wants some love, just remember, <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm going to be like, babe. You wouldn't even be here right now if it wasn't for this, okay? Just remember. Remember that Adam gave a real sacrifice and relationship go hand in hand, and no one showed us a better illustration than God Himself. John 3:16: for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You got to give if you want a relationship to work. That's it. That's it. And and when you understand that, it flips the table because oftentimes we get into relationships and friendships thinking, man, this person doesn't do anything for me. This person doesn't give me anything. This isn't a friendship. Ah, but the tables have turned because the definition of a friendship is not what someone can do for you but what you do for someone else. The definition of relationship is not what you receive. The definition of relationship is what you give. And if you, if you latch on to that definition, you can never lose in a relationship. Because you're giving and you're giving and you're giving. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to enter into all of your relationships being ready and willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice doesn't just show someone that you love them. It makes you love them even more. Why do you think we love babies so much? Because you had to hold it in your belly for nine months. Yeah, some people think all babies are cute. Not true. Not true. You know how I know? Because I will gladly clean my son's diaper. Don't give me no other baby's diaper. God bless all of our nursery workers at Journey Church. You're amazing. You love Jesus. And you can do that. (laughs) Not my calling. But my baby, I will gladly. Why? Because we sacrificed for him. We carried him for nine months. We carried him. I mean, you did most of the work, but I helped, you know. I'm like you know, 3% responsible for that. So we, we carried him, right? We fed. That's why we love our kids so much. Could you imagine if God just gave them to us as teenagers? No. All sweaty and rebellious and hormonal. Uh-uh, take him back. Life was easier before that, but by the time they're 14, we've already invested so much. <laughs> we've already invested so much. I've been through so much with you. I can't leave you now. I can't leave you now. I love you, you stinky rebellious 13-year-old. You're amazing. Kind of. <laughs> you know, just... When you've invested, when you sacrifice. And so you're going to have to sacrifice if you want a relationship to work. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship with your job, whether it's a relationship with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband or wife, sacrifice has to be the number one theme. And let me give you a list of some things you might have to sacrifice. Four things in specifically. First, you're going to probably have to sacrifice your rights. And I don't mean your human rights, in case you were scared. I mean you have to sacrifice your need to be right. Are you ready? Instead of trying to have an argument to convince someone that you're right, why not avoid the argument entirely? Instead of making convincing your goal, what about about making understanding your goal? Instead of trying to get you to see it my way, what if I just try really hard to see it your way and avoid an argument altogether? But that doesn't work if you're not willing to sacrifice being right. Some of us just love being right hate being wrong. You want a happy marriage? You want a happy friendship? Give up on trying to be right. Because the other person doesn't want to be wrong. They just want to be understood. They just want to be understood. So to sac- in order to do that, you might have to sacrifice your perspective, seeing everything from your position instead of their position. Another thing you might have to sacrifice is your peace. Here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that being in a relationship should be stressful all the time, but oftentimes the person you love will fall into the mud in order to pull them out, you got to go into the mud with them. You know what I'm talking about? They call you up and they say, hey, I'm going through a tough time right now. I could really use some help. And the only way you're going to get them out is by jumping into that with them and saying, man, tell me about it. Tell me about that situation and tell me about that circumstance. I'm so grateful for my wife and I because we're willing to get into the mud with each other. I'm also grateful because by God's grace, we both go through stuff, but we go through them at different intervals, which is awesome. Like one day I'll be depressed. And she'll come up to me and she'll be like, why are you so sad? And, you know, she'll say some version of Jesus loves me, which is all I really need to hear from my wife. You know, she's just, and I love you and I believe in you and you're awesome and you're sexy. You know, it's good stuff. I just makes me feel good, makes me feel happy. And then you know what the funniest thing will happen? The very next day she'll be going through something. And I'll be like, hey, don't worry about this. God loves you. Jesus loves you. God's plan for your life. You're sexy. And then she'll be "Oh, happy. And I'm just grateful because, God forbid, we over get the we both get depressed at the same time. Then we're in trouble. That's why we got a dog. When she can't do it and I can't do it, it blew where you at, man. I guess the kids do that too. Um, (laughs) They definitely do that. You got to be willing. Now, let me just throw a disclaimer here. Beware of friends who are always in the mud. Beware of people who all they do every time they get around you is pull you down. That's not a healthy friendship to be in. It's okay for you to be down sometimes and for them to be down sometimes. But if there's someone in your life who every time you're on the phone with them, they're pulling you down, you might have to start looking for some different friends. And the last thing you got to be able to give up and sacrifice, listen, is your space. And I don't mean space in your closet or space in your phone. you got to be willing to open up the recesses of your heart, the places that you don't want no one else to see, the things that you don't want to tell anyone else. you got to be willing to let people into that, because an isolated life is not a happy life. You think you're protected because you're alone, but you're not. You're more vulnerable than ever when you're alone. and So you can't. You can't. People say, I need friends, man. I need friends. I I need people in my life. But but, but, man, when you change the conversation to sacrifice, you change the whole formula, the whole problem, the whole issue. It's not about I need friends. You got to leave here believing. I, I, I got to be a friend. That's what I want you to leave with. When we talk about a relationship redo, we want you to understand the thing you got to do is you got to face all of your relationships from a new perspective. Instead of asking all the time what people can do for you, look at your relationship for the first time. Give it a redo and say, what can I give to them? Be a friend. Just sacrifice. And through your sacrifice, God can do something powerful. Here's what the Bible says in verse Verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. In other words, maybe you're single right now and you're hoping to get married. Maybe you're alone and you don't really have a community of people. Maybe you don't got nobody else around you. And Don't worry about finding a friend. Just be a friend and then God will take your sacrifice and make the person that you need in your life through your sacrifice.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.